heard that? Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me tonight is Morgana. And we have as our special guest, Joshua Kutchen. He just had a new book come out last month, December, and it is Where the Footprints End, Volume 2, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomena. Hello, Josh. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it is so good to be here. I'm excited. It is good to see you. Okay, so... We promised not to talk all about the book because you're going to talk about the book on every podcast in the, in the known universe that you have been asked to be on. And sure. that's, yeah. that's what you got to do as an author. But I had to mention it because I want people to read it. No, I'm, I'm really proud of it. My, my big problem with it, my big problem with my book, um, it just has occupied so much of my mental bandwidth through no real fault of anyone. It's just been the longest time start to finish on a project that i've had in a while with the two volumes so, how many months was it so i got the call from tim and we started talking about it in september of 2018 wow and that yeah that's that's what really kicked me in the face was i'm like oh i've i've lived with this bigfoot project longer than i've been a father you know oh my god <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah that's the weird thing so it, i am so i am so grateful for um the project because, and I think, I think Tim and I, you know, it, I would challenge anyone to be as thorough as Tim and I were in, in this many words, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that it's over, <laughs> over with, you know, um, I'm really, really proud of it, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's done. It's, it's finished. You know, that's excellent. That yeah. is so excellent. So you have twin kids and twin books. Twin kids and twin books. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the twin books took longer. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy, but they did. Um, because that was part of what I was going to do is I wasn't going to really write anything. Um, and Tim was like, "Let's do this." So I I actually was able to crank out from September. It's the fastest turnaround I've ever had. I don't even know how I did it. My portion was kind of finished by like Marchish of twenty nineteen. Wow. Um, because I knew that I had the boys um to deal with. So then I was, you know, waiting on Tim and then I would, you know, come back and, you know, it wasn't finished. It didn't look anything like it does now, but it was the, 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 the bulk of it was really done. And I don't know how I did that because I mean, I'm, you know, the project that I'm working on right now is probably going to be about six months of research and then God knows how much more writing. So it was, it really was one of those things where it's like, I must've gotten some sort of divine command to write about Bigfoot because it just, it really all just fell out of me, you know? That's um, awesome. It's it's good when things like that happen when when the the words just seem to pour out, and it is a really good yeah. book. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I think these these books that you've been thinking about, you know, they're the books that you write, and then they're the books that you've been thinking about for like years, and you've kind of been writing in your head for years. 
Um, and I think that those tend to tend to come together a little bit more. But uh, I really appreciate it. You know, we were uh, talking uh, off the air about you know sort of the, the the creative process of the writing as opposed to just doing the research and stuff. And uh, I'm I'm really thankful that I got to partner with Tim because Tim appreciates that aspect of things as well. There are some wonderful, lovely turns of phrase that he has in the book that I'm, I'm proud to be associated with. So, yeah. I definitely, you can tell you're both musicians because there's, mm. there's music to some of the phrases in, in the book. And I really enjoyed that because I, I like it. artistic books. I like books to have flair. Yeah. You know, I think of, um, you know, I think of the two books, I think it was you, Barbara, that was talking about them in one of the threads about, uh, you know, Trickster in the Paranormal and Daemonic Reality. And in a lot of ways, I think those books are similar because they sort of ask similar thinking of you. But in terms of the way that they're written, Demonic Reality is just got it's 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 an absolutely lovely book. <laughs> you know, there, there there are so many things. It almost it sort of reminds me of um, it sort of reminds me of uh, T. H. White's The Once and Future King. It's one of those books that like every four paragraphs, like you find a sentence and you just have to sit the book down and just like savor it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I love, I love what Hanson has to say, but mm -hmm. he's writing as an academic right. in a very academic style. Um, I read Daimonic Reality when it came out. So that was um, many years ago. Um, the first yeah, it time was, it came out. It was in the nineties, wasn't it? Was like it was 90. I want to say it was like 96 or something. It was before. Yeah. It was before Passport to the Cosmos. Yes. Yes. Because um, I just saw that cited and I was like, I didn't realize that book was that old. Yeah. 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 So it, I read it when it came out and I remember just stopping and, and poking my head up and yelling for my husband, Zach, Zach, listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's used to that from me. So it's, it's not so bad, but. I did that a lot with that book. Well, it's an interesting book because it occupies this interesting space where I think I think he kind of answered everything, but he didn't realize it. And exactly what that answer means changes and adapts with the time. And yeah. it changes and adapts with what's going on. So, it's almost like it's almost like a uh it's not the territory, but it's a pretty damn good map, you know. <laughs> yes. yes. And 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 it's and as as we learn new things and as opinions change and things change, there are the things that he talks about in there. I really do think are evergreen. Um, you know, not to not to speak too highly of it or that it has you know that's the holy grail or something, but it really it just seems very um adaptable book. Yes. Yes. It's one of the books that speaks both specifically and generally. And as such, you can you can take you can take from it whatever you want. It it adapts to what you already believe, but it also changes your beliefs. It adapts to your theories and yet it changes your theories. It's open-ended and closed-ended. It's it's just to me, it's it's all encompassing that. Way. Yeah, it's remarkable. Um, uh, I, it, I think everything that you said is absolutely 
hundred percent spot on. It's um well, in, in that way, you know, it, it is again like something like a great piece of literature, like you know, the Once in Future King, where you will read it completely differently at eighteen than you mm-hmm. do at like <laughs> thirty five or you know yes. sixty yes. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have not read any of his fiction. Um, I have, I have his newest book, "The Good People." I think is the yeah. name of it. Sitting on my shelf, waiting, but I have all of this stuff that I'm doing for research, so yeah. I haven't gotten to it. Now you read, you read. Uh, did we talk about this last time? You read uh, "King of Morning, Queen of Day." Yes, yes. Okay. You suggested that on where did the road go? Yeah, and, and I think you're the only person that I know who's actually followed up on it. So you know that book is funny. I because I I, I got it. I had to get it used because it's it's not in print. Yeah. Um, and it came to the house, and I looked at it, and I'm like, I know that cover. And it turns out that my husband's ex-wife had it, and I saw it on her bookshelf. And at the time that it came out, the reason that I didn't get it was because I was in the middle of a divorce from Morgana's father. And so, because as I'm reading it, I'm like, how the hell did I miss this? Well, it's not a good cover. It's not a good cover. She got a copy for Christmas. And I was like, I saw the cover first and was like, the heck? It it looks like a romance novel. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of got a little bit of a bodice ripper sort of... (laughs) But they're not usually known for their literary brilliance. No, but just don't don't get that up into my fairy fiction, you know. Um yeah. I think I think fairy fiction has a hard enough time being taken seriously as it is. But I remember yeah. I wish I could remember who recommended that to me. Somebody somebody and I think in a YouTube comment on one of the podcasts was like, now if we can just get HBO to do a limited series of King of Morning, Queen of Day, and I'm like, what is this? And I picked it up and it's it's great. I feel like I need to read it again because that last third of the book is a real mind yes. f. Yes, um, it is. But uh, you know, I really appreciate. Um, I really appreciate some of the things that sort of get into like a more co-creation, mythopoetic soup sort of uh, time. Yeah. Uh, time um on a on a spiral or a collective yeah. un- like really into the collective unconscious you know when yeah. when rambo and a flying saucer show up in your in your <laughs> uh your fairy book that, that that gets my attention so yeah 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 no, it's a great book i i was i was blown away and i was you know you were you were suggesting it to someone who was having experiences with um otherworldly beings in her real life and I was like, that I can see why you suggested this particular book as I was reading it to her. Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's a much I, better suggestion than like Fairy Tale by Raymond D. Feist. Don't have people read that. That's going to scare them. I have not, I have not, I have not read that. Is it worth, <gasps> oh, is it you should wrong? read it. It's worth okay. it. Okay. It's, I'll write it down. It's a, it's a fun book. It's a good book. It is a book of its time, though. Yes. It, it was is. written in the late 80s. Um, so you can, and you can tell that another um, good book is the woodwife. If you haven't read it. Yeah. The yeah, woodwife is great. You dip some um, of that same sort of thing. That, those are my two, those are my two go-to fairy books are, uh, um, King of Morning, Queen of Day and, uh, and the War, woodwife. Have you, read, have you read War for the Oaks? No. So Emma okay. Bull. Emma Bull. You'll like the... War for the Oaks. Again, 
of its time, but really good. So I, I picked up another one. Um, I'm gonna figure out. Gonna take a look at who who wrote it. Um, but uh, I was so. You know, when you, I I do love libraries, but um, <clears throat> there is sort of a crapshoot vibe when you go in there. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they, they either like sometimes they'll just the one that I was in didn't even organize by um, subject. It was just like fiction authors A through oh, C, no. D through F. So you're just like, what am I even looking for? Oh, and I was really proud of myself because I picked up a uh, you know Gone Girl kind of thriller for my wife, and I picked up um, for me this uh, book called Some Kind of Fairy Tale by Graham Joyce. Yes, I, we've read that. Yeah, okay. Yes, we have. Yes, uh, we have. Su- surprisingly well done. Yes. Yeah. Have you read um, any of his other novels? No. Okay, you need to read The Facts of Life. Yes, okay. you do. It explains Morgana and, and I's sort of family in a okay. way. In a, in a very weird way. Yes, it very- does. Because that's the generational the knock on the door the sort of you accept that this clan is different because they're a bunch of experiencers but it's just not talked about a huge amount mm-hmm. everybody just knows that they're a bit odd <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm definitely gonna check it out because i just here's my thing and this is <laughs> this is josh's rant about fiction is that um so i actually am a huge fan of uh of short stories yeah because if you don't like what you're reading you just power through or yeah. you uh or you skip it you know yeah um but um uh but i feel like so much so many times nowadays i pick up a book that's fiction and like i'm reading it so this sounds really interesting and it's like Book one of the Atwater trilogy, and it's like, and it's oh, like for Pete's sake. freaking long. <laughs> exactly, it's a giant like six hundred page book that's that's part of a series, and it's the same feeling that I get on Netflix. You know, if I know that something's like a limited series, like this is a one season yeah. thing, then you I'm like, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I just get so frustrated, and I feel like that was my thing. Is I'd be like, oh, look at this. Oh, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> I feel like it's a giant commitment if I get into it. You know? Yes. So. yes, I feel that. I, I totally, totally feel that. Yeah. So now that we've suggested every novel ever, <laughs> oh, I've, I've, got, I've got so many sticky notes over here. It's not even funny. I, I have another one that does relate to the trickster thing. All right, um, go for it. Because it popped into my head after I was reading um, volume two, and I just out of nowhere, it was the bear part. And I was like, I need to reread Some Place to Be Flying by Charles DeLint. Um, yeah. yeah. Because the the part of the book where it's the, the Bigfoot version of the Men in Black, where mm-hmm. it's the lumberjack looking dude with the and messy the- hair and the, and the messy beard who tells people to just call him Bear with the tidy federal agent. And in my head, all I can think is, well, that's Bear walked out of the woods with Wolf to be like, hey, leave my homie Bigfoot alone. (laughs) Oh, man. Which is exactly also what I thought. I I was like, there was a time when the animal people walked on two legs legs and lived in villages like humans. 
yep. And that was all I could think. And I started, I got the giggles. <laughs> That's a wild angle and I absolutely love it. I just, I got the giggles because that's my cultural framework or one of my, one of the bits of cultural framework I have for weirdness. And yeah. So in case anybody's wondering, there are um, no shortage of these uh, stories where these Bigfoot witnesses um, don't have to contend afterwards with men in black. They have to worry about this pair of supposedly, you know, Bureau of Land Management, G-Men, whatever. Um, one is a, you know, a, a slider build, smaller guy with a, you know, clean cut with a suit and everything. And the other one's this gigantic guy with a big unkempt beard and wearing plaid who, who goes by the name of Bear. And uh, they seem to be oddly, uh, oddly decoupled from, like, time and space there not only do they harass witnesses but uh, tim found an example of a story where what where this bear guy just appears right behind a bigfoot witness after he sees bigfoot and he's like you know couldn't pull the trigger could you just like really strange stuff um yeah and that description of them as some sort of uh animistic forest protector embodiment <laughs> of other of other animals <laughs> makes so much sense actually right yeah. it, it it occurred to both of us because i i i had read it and i i, I started reading it before she did so i didn't want to say anything until she started reading it but i i like underlined that and was like oh my god bear and wolf or bear and coyote are running around messing, yeah. with, messing with white people, people. Yeah. messing with white people i was like this is so funny. They know about men in black, so they had to go and do this thing. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it's the phenomena conforming to a different framework because it's right. outdoorsy. That's so. that's what I was thinking of is that you know the phenomena is appealing to the sorts of authorities that mm -hmm. specific witnesses would respond yeah. to, you know, being yeah. the UFOs, you're all paranoid about the, you know, the government. About government, yeah. Um but uh, I like your idea so much better. <laughs> so she she calls me. She's like, "Mom, mom, did you see bear?" And I went, "And wolf? Yes, I know." <laughs> and I, just, I got the giggles. I'm like, "Yes, I thought that too." Yeah. Also, I, oh, go, no, you go ahead. I also thought, especially with Bear being in his lumberjack shirt, he's sort of also a woodsman archetype. Yeah. Like not the not the wild man, but the woodsman who like shows up in fairy tales and stuff right. all the time. You, you know, I tried, and I probably could have tried harder and found something to this, but I I suspect that there is some sort of lineage from like the lumberjack through the woodsman, through this Odinic archetype to yeah. the wild man. There's got, there's got to be something there that you can really trace. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Well, you know, just today I saw on uh, Greg Bishop's Radio Mysterioso Facebook page, somebody had posted something from Mysterious Universe. Nick Redfern wrote it. So it was his article about the Wendigo. And oh yeah, that really how creepy scary the Wendigo yeah. is, and and all of the illustrations on the Mysterious Universe has Wendigo with antlers, and I'm like, that's totally not what Wendigo looked like to the native people, and right. I was like, but now it's 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 a very Hollywood 
you know, American kind of way to, to see it with the antlers. I'm like, but, you know, maybe there's some sort of little tinge of, of the wild hunt with Hearn the Huntsman with the antlers. He's sometimes shown with antlers. You know, maybe that's kind of gotten in there through our European way of seeing things. Or maybe antlers just look cool. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you know what blew my mind? Because um, so I, I I agree with you on that depiction of the Wendigo, but there are also so many sort of Wendigo analogs from different tribes that I would be yeah. kind of hesitant to say that that never happens. But that's a very it is a very like uh, yeah. deviant it's a very deviant art <laughs> sort, yeah, of, yes. sort of way of, of doing it. Yeah, um, there's a there, I think there's a terrible B movie called Wendigo that has them. That the cover of it has the horns, but I could also be wrong. And I, but I, and I saw that at two in the morning, flipping through Netflix or something. There is another one um, that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I haven't talked about this too much, but I might as well talk about it here some more. Um, so I have a book of uh, that I've an editor of and contributor to of uh, essays of uh, fairy lore on film um, that's coming out uh, this year. Um, from from uh, Robbie wins Robbie wins <laughs> Robbie Graham's August Night um, Press, and one of the contributors is Allison Jornlin, who uh, talked about a film called hmm, The Last Winter. That's what it's called. Um, so I don't know if that's what you're thinking of, but apparently there's a that window might go, be. apparently there's a horned windigo in that or antlered windigo in that. Okay. Um, that I hadn't said. You know, you know, you, you, you talked about the wild hunt, and I, I found some, uh, some. Uh, are you are you are you all familiar with um, uh, Claude Lecouteau? That name is familiar. I, I name drop uh, him. I name drop him from time to time. He's a former Sorbonne medieval historian that also like completely has drunk the Kool Aid on the supernatural being real. So he puts out these books that are just like super academic, but he's but he's he's totally on board with it. It's great stuff and okay. a lot of a lot of people sleep on him um but I he's he's so thorough but there's um he I, through him i think it was through him that I, I found out you mentioned the wild hunt um a mind-blowing thing is that you know this 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 uh Hearn the hunter king herla myths um are also sort of the etymological root of another possible leader of the wild hunt the heliquin which yeah also ties in with Arthur Eloquin yes. and also Earl King. Yes. <laughs> I knew the Earl King. And, and also I the knew Harlem. the Earl King was coming. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't know any of that. And it's just like, oh it, it really is all the, the same sauce. It just that was one of those mind blowing moments where I'm like, oh it's there's there's something so primeval about just all of this that I think resonates so deeply in people's souls and memories and imaginations that it, it does not surprise me that it really is all the same sauce because it feels like it's all the same sauce as much as I know we're not supposed to go with feelings or facts, but I'm sorry at a certain point, I think the answer to some of the answers to this sort of thing can be found by using your intuition and your feelings and your imagination. Patrick Harper would agree with you. I'm, at this I think point. you're absolutely right. I think that there are, um, in some form or fashion, I don't know if it's like specifically the way that people talk about it, but I think that there is some sort of higher self at play here. 
And that higher self knows damn well that all this stuff is real and it knows exactly how to react to it. And it knows, you know, it's, it's one of those things like we all have memories of flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's so weird. And and nobody talks about it, but you know exactly what that is. I don't think it's just your dreams. I think that there's something else there, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it really, is, it really is all this this one giant thing, and I think we all know about it so intuitively. Um, you know, the minutia we might get wrong here and there, but um, we've all, you know, we've all uh, interfaced with this stuff before. Some yeah. part of us knows that. And I think it's a natural interface. I, I honestly like it's. I think it's we're supposed to interface with something. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think our lives are made richer and more interesting for the fact that there's something bigger, be it our collective unconscious, be it whatever's at the back of the phenomena, be it magic or gods or whatever. There is something. And it's, I mean, it's, and it's, it's coming to the fore. Like it really is like, it's, it's, there's something, I don't know if it's, you know, if, if some people that I, I, I listen to have talked about like, you know, reality having a nervous breakdown <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard other people, you know, describing it as, you know, um, you know, one of the things Charles Fort talked about were like dominance of, of paradigms. And then you have do- dominant of science, then a dominant the idea is that we're switching in sort of this dominant of witchcraft and like the way that things are literally true are changing, you know, and we're here for it because a lot of this stuff seems like it's right just below the surface. It's just, yeah, it, it is different. I think than it, than it was when I, although I can't really say that I've always experienced things weirdly or differently, you know? And so I can't say that, but I will say that people, who when I was a child would have just shook their heads and gone, that's nonsense. That's just, no, that can't be. That's not, there's nothing to that are now going, well, maybe it kind of looks that way. I mean, when it hit me was when I was driving to the beach with my wife and and we were driving to a beach in North Carolina because my folks are from North Carolina. We have a family beach that we go to. And we're like in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's trailers and Eastern North Carolina, like flat as a pancake, you know, a bunch of pine trees, trailers, single dwelling homes, pig farms. And I'm outside of like, I'm like 40 minutes outside of Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is, you know, army base uh, or it's yeah. our military town. And, uh, and <laughs> there's an effing magical shop there magic it's a magic shop in the middle like not zoned like it should it should be there you know it's it, it you know it's 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 like where a service station would be and there's this magic shop called the peddler and the crow and you go in and i've got all your magical resources and books and it's just it's completely decked out and it's freaking packed you know in the middle of the summer in the yeah. middle of the day um like a, like a, like a three on a thursday or something and they're like 14 people inside this space that's the size of like three double wides it's like what the heck is going on here and that's that's when i was like oh the, the magical renaissance is a thing um it really is 
Yeah. I think so oh, too. Yeah. My one of my witch friends, um, which as I've grown up, more and more of my friends have become witches. Like, and I haven't known that when I've started to be friends with them when we're new friends, and then all of a sudden it's brought up in conversation, and it's like another one. Yeah. And like at this point, I don't. I know my humans versus zombies friends are basically the only ones. Some of them are not witches, but even then, it's most of them are in some mm-hmm. way or another. Um, they've been talking about how they think, you know, I think something's like things are waking up and things are changing. Yeah. Which sounds nice and spooky and like witchy, but I don't think is totally wrong. Did we, did we talk about, cause I, in, in line with that, that statement, did we talk about like my proposed cycle of. Of, and it's super reductive and it's not nearly as nuanced as it needs to be, but of like, again, so just embrace these, these really generalized, maybe inappropriate terms, but um, paganism giving way to religion, which gives way to atheism, which inspires paganism, which, <laughs> which inspires religion, which, yeah. you know, so you got, you got this sort of like, you know, you got this Prisca theologia, whatever it may have been. Yeah. It is. And then you have people who really want to like, you know, form, all these dogma and rules that are creed around it. And then all that becomes so overblown and full of bullshit that you have the, you have an atheistic impulse against that. And then that strips away all the wonder and disenchants the world. And then you have people reacting to that with this resurgence of these older ideas. And then I just, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I just, I I think there's something to it. Um, And I think we might be in the middle of that. Like you said, when when you think about like how prominent, a lot of these atheist voices were like even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, the Dawkinses and the, the Bill Nye's and they just don't, nobody gives a damn anymore about them, you know? Um, yeah. Nobody's, nobody's. And that's in and, and that, in that reductivist it. materialist sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people still like Bill Nye because of nostalgia, but in terms of them listening to him about like some of the more physicalist reductionist materialist, stuff they just don't doesn't i don't think it resonates with people like it used to even yeah. physics has been sort of spookified yes it's very wibbly wobbly timey wimey and it really is though yeah it's, um, it's not as not as reductive as you would say and and yeah. very strongly completely materialist you know there was a time at the end of like the into the 19th century when it was kids were discouraged from going into the sciences because they had it all figured out, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that was literally a thing where they're like, no, that's a, that's a dying profession. science." You know? <laughs> uh, and now scientists are chasing after consciousness and I, uh, it, it, and it's enchanted again. So do you have this thing? This is a little Josh rant, but I was talking with my wife about it because you know, there's that Leslie Keen uh, Netflix series about consciousness. I haven't coming watched out. it yet. I haven't watched it yet either. But like, it's this thing where like you're into something that's really strange, and then there's something that comes out that really popularizes it. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, people are like, "Hey, have you seen this documentary on Netflix?" And you're like, "I've been talking to you for years about <laughs> scholarly work, laboratory." <laughs> It's all this stuff that's so much more impressive than a damn <laughs> Netflix series, and it's been off you like water off a duck. And now that Netflix, the same thing with the same thing with uh, psychedelics, you know, and Michael Pollan. Yeah. 
you know, people yeah. being like, oh, Michael Pollan wrote a book on psychedelics. And it's like, he did yeah. it to me. I'm a you, chef. He did it to me with the damned local food thing. I wanted to hit him in the head with a frying pan. I, I do understand. It's so, <laughs> it, and so frustrating. And, and the worst thing about the psychedelics one was that there was like, a little bit of a creepy, like we haven't been listening. Like, oh, we, oh, the the brown people telling us this for you know centuries and, and millennia. We didn't really listen to them, but Michael Pollan comes along and talks to us about the the fact that psychedelics might be really beneficial and have some sort of objective externality to it. And all of a sudden, we're you know the entire rest of the world is going. Yes, we know. We've been telling right. you. Right. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with y'all? I mean, jeez. It's so even Ted Larry was telling you that. Terrence yep. McKenna with his weird voice was telling you. <laughs> about Christian elves. No what? one was listening to me. <laughs> I tried to tell you people, but no one just but listened to me. <laughs> but Michael Pollan comes along and ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, that and, and, and the funny thing is, this is, you know. I don't want to turn this into politics hour, but it's like it's like that New Yorker magazine crowd were the yes. kinds who are like, oh, you know, the people who who really think that they've you know got a reality really well defined are the ones who are like, oh, Michael Pollan came up with it. It's like you should have been on these people's side for a long time before now. Yes, yes, <sighs> you know. Yeah, I have issues with with the New Yorker magazine because yeah, I, was, yeah. I had a professor try to teach me how to write uh, literature, write short stories by reading the short stories that were in New Yorker magazine, and Yeesh. I was I was offended because I was in college in Appalachia, and everything was about poor people who were very very downtrodden and terrible things happened to them, and I was just like. That is not how poor people think or act. Yeah. These people have never been around poor people in order to write them properly. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I wrote stories about elves and talking cats and hell hell with my instructor. (laughs) And damn it, he liked it too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that if if you if you measured a lot of those communities that haven't haven't quote unquote known any better about all these wonderful trappings they have, they're probably a hell of a lot happier than we are. You know. Yeah. I mean, with all the stuff going on, you know who's you know who's completely impervious to this is that tribe that they found. You know, like all the stuff that's going on in this country, coronavirus, all this, it doesn't matter to them at all. You know, they're they're isolated and they're doing their own thing. Yeah, so long as nobody takes the corona to them, they're okay. Which they right. can't because they kill them in their boats, which is awesome. Exactly. I, I really wish yeah. I could practice social distancing like that like yeah. in the future. Get a, get a group of people that you know don't have it and just have your exactly. own wild. Yeah. Stay there. If anybody comes, throw stuff at them. Yeah. I, I would do that in normal life when there's not a pandemic if I could. Because I, I don't like people that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I, I don't want to downplay like the importance of community and the importance of connecting to other people, but I think a lot of us have come to realize how self insufficient we are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I think you know, I think that's only gotten worse because I mean, this is my grumpy old man uh side talking, but like 
how many of us just sit with our thoughts? You know, I, I have a, I still have a flip phone for Pete's sake. Like I have a, I have an iPod touch that I can get on the internet if there's Wi-Fi. And when I do, I turn into like a freaking zombie like everybody else. But if I don't have the Wi-Fi password to somewhere, like if I'm in the doctor's office, I sit there with my thoughts, <laughs> you know, because I think that, I think that boredom is important to creativity and to thinking. I don't think a lot of us force ourselves to do that. And you have to force true. Yourself, you know, to be alone with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of thing. Uh, my husband and I are writing stories for you know, that started during the blizzard in 1994 that hit uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, let's see, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, New York. It, it pretty much, we had three feet of snow. We lived out in the country. Uh, we didn't have a snow shovel because we sucked because we were <laughs> stupid, 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 stupid uh, college students. And uh, we had been told that a great snowstorm was coming, but the person who told us had been telling us this for the whole winter and it had never happened. So we're almost at March Actually, I think it was in March when somebody it didn't read their ASOP. And I said, You're full of crap. No. And it was raining when we got home. And so we parked the car all the way up next to the house. And the rain turned to snow while we slept. And we woke up and there was so much snow. The only reason you could tell that hill next to the house was our car was because there was this tiny divot for the uh, windshield. There was a little, and there was an antenna sticking up for the radio. And I said, oh, shit. And so we had no electricity. So there was no TV. It was before the internet, as before cell phones. Um, we did have a telephone that worked. That was something. Uh, because we had, you know, wired landline. It wasn't a, you know, one you carry around, portable one. And, uh, we had heat, but it was completely inadequate for the Arctic temperatures that then happened. So what did we do? We sat and we made up stories and we made up a group of characters that just basically have lived on. And so we're still, we're finally writing this stuff down, but that was what, 30 some years ago. I and adore that. That was amazing. That's it was great. amazing. We just sat there and made up stories for a week. How how long have Brittany and Mai's stories been going since we've known each other? So since you were little kids. Yeah, me and my best friends did. I didn't know mom did this. I just knew that me and my best friends did this since we were like eleven, and we did the same thing when the derecho came through and knocked out power here in Athens for like four days. <laughs> Yeah. Admittedly, we drank wine while we did it, but that's that's so great, though. It's I mean, so I, much fun. It's what people used to do. You used to sit in the dark and make shit up. And <laughs> and you know, I think that I'm genuinely worried about that impulse um, amongst everybody, not just young people, but everybody, because I mean, that's something that we've just completely thrived on is that storytelling impulse, and a lot of these stories that even though, yeah, they're the same thing over and over again. They need to be told. It's the same same problem that I have sometimes with a lot of this uh, 
a lot of the deconstructivist takes on things. Like they're great, but if all you have is deconstructive takes, then like, you know, it, it kind of gets, I think you've lost that Joseph Campbell sort of, you know, archetype. It, it, it does. Look, I think it's really badass when the princess saves herself from the dragon. I really do. But like, we still need stories about the, the, the knight saving the princess from the dragon. You know, Watchmen makes no sense. If you've never, if you're not familiar with Superman or Batman or anything like that. Right. So how far do you keep on destructing stuff? Could not deconstructing, deconstructing, not destructing, but deconstructing stuff before you're just left with like a culture that doesn't tap into these archetypes that I think are real things that exist in the, you know, in the cloud, so to speak. Um, I just, just don't do that anymore. Sorry. Go ahead. I suspect that, and you sort of hit on this in the, the trickster chapter, I suspect the archetypes will push forward. Yeah, I guess you're, I guess you're right in that sense is it's, it's like they, they're coming whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah. And yeah. just yeah. in a new weird shape. I mean, for all I know, eventually humans are going to hollow out the moon and live in weird cities up there and will have spread across the galaxy and we're going to have a very strange goddess of the harvest who instead of being the goddess of grain is the goddess yeah. of the food pills or, or the or goddess something. of the moon dust or something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's a really good or point. it'll still be grain really... and we won't remember what grain exactly was, really. we won't, we'll just know it's this weird ancient word yeah well, yeah, and I guess I, sh I should realize that when I say that, like, the idea exists outside the cloud, you know, ideas, ideas have people, people don't have ideas, um, yeah. but it's it's going to come along anyway. You, you know what I love about uh, this? <laughs> people are listening. It's like, I thought we were going to talk about the paranormal and Bigfoot. Like, <laughs> like I feel like, if you, but I feel like if you do this long enough. Like, we're, we, we have been talking about that the whole time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I post I posted Absolutely. something on uh, on Facebook the other day that like I think that a YouTube documentary about horse sacrifice, Indo-European horse sacrifice, probably says yeah. a lot more about the UFO phenomena than like a, a dump of CIA files. Like, you know, yes, most definitely. I, I, I think that these are images, these are symbols, but that doesn't mean they're not real. You know, when you say image and symbol to some people, they think that means it's not real. When you say archetype, they think, oh, that's all in your head. That's all in our heads. That's not real. Well, you know, consciousness, the people who study consciousness says just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. It's real. Reality consciousness is real. <laughs> is reality. You know, people talk about virtual reality with computers. That's in our head already. We already have virtual reality. Mm -hmm. It's been there ever since we first woke up, looked around, looked up at the stars and went, what's that? Ever since we've had a thought in our head, we have had virtual reality. Well, I mean, I know it sounds cheesy, but like all that fiction we were talking about <laughs> earlier is virtual reality technology. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that technology has I to be bright and shiny, you know, is not is not a real stand stance. Um, and yeah, and, and then, but then, then, you know, the other, on the other spectrum, on the other side of the, the coin, you have people in the paranormal who take ideas like archetypes and like the trickster and like, try to make them too, um, 
too concrete, you know? Too We've all run into those people who it's like, it's the trickster. And it's like, I don't think this is, you know, this isn't, this isn't, uh, I always like to say, you know, which you're, trickster you're, because yeah, it exactly. can be embodied, but it's individual embodiments that, that t- speak to that archetype. The archetype itself is like an energy. And then the individual embodiments are embodiments of that energy. Well, it's, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the reason that it's something that shows up, you know, regardless of cultures having contact is because it's baked in. I, I think, you know, I said this in the book and I, I only sort of realized this recently and maybe if I'm self-identifying it, it means that I, I sort of, you know, negate myself in this respect, but, um, you know, families have tricksters. And I think back yes, to the way that know. I have. I think, well, and, and I kind of I kind of identify as one in a while, you know, one in a little bit. Um No wonder we get along so well. Well, you know, I mean like I was always the one who would like tell everybody the way it is and would oh and would be like would undercut dramatic moments with with cheekiness and I was always more scatological and um you know, just, just stuff like that. I think that, you know, I think that every family, especially, especially in my wife's family, I'm the trickster because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the one who's sort of the, 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 the disrupting force who's, who's hanging out with all the people that, you know, all the weird, all the weirdo paranormal people and you know, stuff like that. Um, the one, the one who yeah. is, fr- is frank about things, but yeah, but overindulges too much. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, yeah. We have a very strong yeah. vein of it in the family. Um, I think I'm one of the family tricksters, if not the the worst of the bunch. Um, our our signal chats, yes, because I've I've encountered. A, I mom likes to say I belong to a trickster god um, because <laughs> I've I've encountered one which is part of the weirdness that I've experienced. So I'm very careful to be like respect to that uh and have have you shared that or are you comfortable sharing that sure um and it it makes zero sense because you know you would think i would get rabbit because i'm i'm cherokee so rabbit is the cherokee trickster and Mm -hmm. i didn't get rabbit i got coyote i don't i still don't know why i'm i know blackfoot from my dad's side is is closer to the Southwest or to the Plains, but yeah, you know, sometimes I think that this stuff is, and I'm just interrupting you because I just don't want to get this in there and I want to come back to keep, keep on hearing what you're saying. But like, sometimes I think that this stuff is really obsessed with heritage. And sometimes I don't think it gives a damn. Damn. Yeah. Um, which is why I think what, which is why I kind of think it gets a little bit thorny when you get into conversations about cultural appropriation, because I think I genuinely believe that there are some, uh, paths that speak to people that have no background in that, in, in what they're interested in, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I think that if, if something like, you know, IFA is a path, then it should mm-hmm. speak, is, is an actual true thing, then it should speak to, you know, a white suburban kid the exact same way that it should speak to someone from Africa, you know? So, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say the Orisha speak to whom they wish to speak. Speaking of IFA, yeah. The the Yoruba Orisha will talk to whoever they like and they don't care what color your skin is. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, at the same time, and at the same time, there is a conversation to be had about like just picking that cafeteria style 
you know, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> there's yeah. another, there's another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Too. But anyway. Oh God. Yes. It's, it's such a squishy, squishy issue, I guess. Well, because people want it, people want it to be all one or thing, one thing or, or another. And it's, you know? not, it's just this weird, yeah. I, my favorite movie as a kid was the last unicorn. And this does have bearing. And part of the reason it was my favorite movie was because one is beautiful. And two, Schmendrick the magician, who's the magic user in the movie, is the worst magician ever. And <laughs> that would be my boyfriend taking the dog upstairs so there's not tippy taps. <laughs> on this wood floor anymore. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> he just loomed up behind in the camera. <laughs> um, and Schmendrick can't do magic and he can't do magic. And finally he just goes magic, do as you will. And then it works. And that's kind of how I feel like this sort of thing works. It just does what it's going to do. And you don't have a lot of control over it at that point. Um, which is sort of what happened to me because I don't, I fell, okay, there's, I wrote a blog post about this on our blog, um, but the short version is I fell asleep in a wardrobe, which yes, I realized the bizarre parallel of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> that was not why I was in a wardrobe. And... I woke up and I had, I fell down a hole and I woke up on a plane and next to the hole, there was a light source that was not visible in the sky. It was just some light source. It was on a plane with waving grass and trees to the side and standing next to me was an anthropomorphic coyote who looked at me and blinked and said, what the hell took you so long? And I said, excuse me? I love that. He was like, I've been waiting for you this whole time. You took way too long, kid. Come on, let me explain some things. And he basically ran me through the, okay, you're in the spirit world. Look behind you, see that silver thread? Don't lose it or you get stuck down here. Don't wander off. No, really, don't wander off. There's not nice things in here, just like there's me. I'm, by the way, I'm in charge. I'm supposed to look after you. Like, essentially, you're mine. I'm to look after you. And I'm like, little little 11-year-old who knows some stories <laughs> is going, no, not Coyote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. you know what, dear God, why? <laughs> but like, yeah, you don't say that so out loud. Confused. It's it's and, it's it's like hi I'm with the I'm from the government I'm here to help it's also like hi I'm Coyote I'm here to help it's like oh boy yeah I'm sure you're gonna help but it also just it made sense to me I was like oh yeah okay mm -hmm. that makes sense and then he like explained how to get back if I needed to get back and then he said okay turn around go back down the hole and shoved me <laughs> and I woke up in the wardrobe. And I could, I, I have what I, I term it as the site because that's 
essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, I have a third eye. It's super cool. No, it's super weird and vaguely annoying. And I didn't have a lot of control over it for years. And you just, I just see stuff. Did it happen after that or was it there before that? It was there before that, but it was like it was stuck open and it was stronger than it had ever been. And I had to go lay down because like I came out of the wardrobe, I walked outside and I could see like everything like was everything had light in it basically. Mm. And I had, I went and laid down until my eyes quit doing that because I could not cope. (laughs) And then I would, I would dream about him and he would show up in my dreams and he would show up when I wasn't dreaming. And I didn't see him when I wasn't in a partial sleep state again until I was moved in with mom. And there's nothing quite like coming out of the shower as a 16-year-old girl. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and Coyote being there? Yeah, leering. Oh, jeez. That's, leering. That's, that tracks, coyote. though. I mean, that... Yeah, no. And giggling and giggling at you. And at that point, I had learned, do not jump and scream because he thinks it's funny. So I just kind of went, dude, I'm naked. And he's like, yeah. And I went, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best God, though, because you can be... I'm respectful, but I'm sort of respectful in... I mean, how respectful can I be? I belong to a trickster God, which is what I tell him when I'm like, you know what, dude? You're just nasty. Yeah. (laughs) Just just a pervo. (laughs) You're a big old pervo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you smell bad and you pooped yourself into a tree. I don't want to hear it. And, and you know, like I, I, I and I'm going to say this, and it, it, I don't want you to think that it's not that I don't believe you, but like I, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with any of that. Like in I terms of my worldview, you know what I mean? I don't either. Um, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's funny. Like so, uh, we were talking about how you know the fiction and bring it back around to that. Like sometimes I feel like maybe we talked about this last time, but sometimes I think that like that American gods model is kind of what's at play here, you know, yeah. um, that like every, b- because it's, because it's been thought up by humans who have instilled these things with power every, yeah, every, you do have, you know, Anasazi hanging out with uh, Heimdall and, you know, <laughs> It's some crazy I'm, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm surprised. And I mean, it's just, it's, I don't think of myself as any different than a normal Christian person or something, except I don't go to church. Church just shows up at yeah. the worst like times. That. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 And I'm, Although and I have to give Coyote to. Let me tell him, but penis is manifest oh. in my life. Oh, yeah. Like all the time. Like, no, seriously, rocks and sticks and stuff that look like it. Like, it's like perverted pareidolia, except like other people see them too. Okay. That's that. That's because I'm talking about this with you. I'm going to find penises for like a week. It's like phallomancy or something. Um. For a week, I will find (laughs) jumping across dicks. It's just, I'm not kidding. Well, you know, it's kind of hard oh. in, in the West to not, it's kind of hard in the West to not, like, see penises everywhere, right? Between right. skyscrapers and guns and swords. and That's true. 
That's true. Penis shaped puddles. Chopstick. Was there so Pen. so with the with the sort of second sight stuff? I'm sorry if if I talk over you. I think we might have a little Ooh. bit of a, I have a little bit of a lag here. We have a lag. Um, but um, so I'm, I'm trying not to be rude. Sorry about that. Um, was there again to to the, your degree of comfortability? Was there so, any sort of inciting incident in terms of like illnesses or um or, or again comfortable oh, or not? It's fine to do. Um. I don't think I almost died as a kid. Mom almost died as a kid. She had pneumonia when she was really young. Um, mm. I just had god awful asthma and, you know, didn't always get a lot to eat and had a fairly stressful childhood. I think, I think more, I, I do have fibromyalgia though, um, and bipolar disorder and arthritis already. So I think I may just be like sickly. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and you know, there's the hereditary angle too to this. Or I'm just nuts. Having having a weird mom will make you weird. And yeah. the whole family it, has oddness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we all do. The thing about coyote, I didn't know. Um, Morgana didn't get to grow up with me until she she didn't come live with me full time until she was fifteen. Um, so I didn't know about that particular, uh, incident at the time that it happened. I just knew mm. that she had affinity for coyote. Um, but when my husband and I were traveling to the town where Morgana lived with her father for the meeting that would change the custody agreement which was our final meeting. Um, we're driving down the highway and it was, it was stressful um, because her father has serious issues and we were, we were actually worried and afraid um, that he would try to do something. Yeah, he, he is. He is. I'm trying to be halfway nice. But yeah. He's horrible. <laughs> Um, if we weren't recording, I'd tell you exactly how horrible, but, um, we're driving down the road and, and we had all been upset and my witchy friends had, they were doing a ritual as we were driving to protect everything and, and to make sure that it went well. And they did a good job, I will say. Um, and it is interesting, you know, what ended up happening, but we're driving along and and all of a sudden, I see a flash of gold off to the left, and and it was it was bright enough that it made Zach look, even though he's driving. And running down a slope on the other side of the the highway, down a hill, is this huge golden wolf coyote dog. And it ran, and it ran across the highway. It ran across our lanes jumped over the guardrail and went down the hill. And after that, I was fine. I was just like, and he looked at us as he was running past, just as if to say, hey, it's me. You know, and then he, yep. and he was gone. Yep. And he was gorgeous. He there... was this huge, but, you know, he wasn't the color of a wolf, but he was the shape of a wolf. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a dog. 
there's a there's a big difference. And uh, I after that, I was no longer as afraid as I was. And you know, I was like, I mean, and, and, and there you have it. You know, I mean, he did his thing. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, sorry, no. I keep on stepping on all over you, and it's, I think it's the lag. Sorry, it's um, the lag. Don't worry about but, it. But. Uh, but I mean, there you have it. And I think that's part of what people are coming to grips with is that, uh, you know, the, the paranormal, supernatural, whatever you want to call it, it is an everyday thing. Like it's not embedded in, in this reality. Like we're embedded in that. And that is reality. And we're embedded in that, you know, yes. um, uh, Absolutely. something that I've been thinking about a ton lately. And I, I might've mentioned it last time. So sorry, sorry for treading familiar ground, but, um, Really engaging with pareidolia. Yeah, I think we did talk about yeah. this. Yeah, we did a little yeah. bit at the end. Like, uh, yeah, we it didn't looks like a face, but what is this? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because that's the way that we used to view the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we decided yeah. when we and decided the, it was nothing, you know. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily think it is nothing, Jinx. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. For real. <laughs> we'll see how that turns out in yeah. the recording. It might actually be perfectly synced. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, exactly. Perfect. Like it might not, it might not be nothing, you know? Um, exactly. You know, uh, I mean, it, it, it very well might be nothing, but, <laughs> but it also might not be nothing. You know? yeah. yeah. I, when it comes to the way synchronicities work, it might have just been a coincidence, but when they no, stack up, when they pile up over and over, and they're all related in weirdo ways, then it isn't nothing, you know. Yeah. Have I have I ever shared? Have you ever heard my 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 most intense synchronicity? No, no. It was so wild. So I was I was I was coming back from um from a gig in Austin and I was dating an oboe player at the time. Um, and, uh, for the sake of this conversation, she had two, she had a, uh, the first, she had a, her first name and her last name could be construed as first names, you know, like, you know, so like, let's say, uh, right. uh, uh, Whitney Jane, let's just say that that's her name. Right. Um, and uh, so I'm, it was really upsetting time um, because it was like the relationship was kind of, I could see that it was on the rocks um, just because we just weren't compatible with where we were in our lives and whatnot. Um, no animosity there, but, it was, it was, but we were both you know, really kind of concerned. And so I'm sitting there doing a crossword puzzle um, on the plane. And uh, she was an oboe player who went to the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Uh, that was her background, you know, as music, as classically trained musicians, like that's kind of your identity. Like it's just baked right. into your soul. Right. So Whitney Jane uh, went to Cincinnati and uh, plays the oboe. I'm on the plane. Uh, it's getting ready. It's, you know, it's taxiing. And the following happens over the course of like a 30 second span. Um, I'm doing a crossword and the clue, the answer is oboe. The person in front of me drops their ticket with a final destination of Cincinnati. And then the real kicker, the guy whose ticket it is, turns around 
and asks for it. He goes like, "Hey, man!" He puts his arms up, you know, on the on the on the back of the seat. He says, "I'm sorry, I dropped my ticket. Can you grab it for me?" And on his tattoos are the names of his daughters, Whitney and Jen. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like oh, man. all of that in a thirty oh. second period. Oh, and yeah, that's like, not nothing. <laughs> that's I something. Mean, that's, that's a real, yeah, that's a real synchronicity, like bomb because it's not you know people say wow what crazy coincidences but it's those four coincidences in that span of like 30 second span of time it's, it was just insane um, i believe that even mr spock would say the odds are astronomical <laughs> against that yeah you know, that's just you ridiculous know. odd like that's yeah that's yeah, that's totally and like wild. it's it's one of those things that's it's one of those things that's so wild, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you constantly want to rewrite it in your mind and second yeah. guess yourself. Yes, but no, yes. that's that's the way that's it went down. Happened. Yeah, that's the way it went down. Um, yeah, and then this this past towards the the late summer of this year, I've had some synchronicities that I will feel comfortable talking about at some point. Um, but they were just like total sort of shamanic awakening with the little hint of fairy thrown in there too. It was right. wild. But the yeah. thing is these things these things like have half lives or something. I don't know what it is, but like they have seasons, you know? They come in cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like in in, in in like it's almost like once you start really saying, oh this is a thing, that's when like the 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 cooldown starts. You yep. know it's like because yeah. you saw it, and it doesn't want you to stare at it too intently, because that doesn't make it fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Again, that's that trickstery bit where it will... The shenanigans. It, yeah, the shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it has to it has to communicate with you, but it it's like what the UFO knot said, I think it was in Iowa in 1967, we want you to believe in us, but not too much. I can never remember what the details around that case. I just always remember it's him saying that, and I love it so much. Like that's. I think that's the truth. I think yeah. that's. I think that's the only other truer thing that was ever said. Is Ann Streber, Whitley? I think this has something to do with what we call death. Yep. I think those two together are like probably the truest things that the other has ever conveyed in any way i mean you know that i agree with that that's that's where my head's at right now for this, i know for this know. five thousand page book that i'm writing um there's and then there's the, also i think one of them said to i think it was whitley himself it they said that they move atoms yeah that was, they move atoms they can change matter yeah, that that has come up. Um, I know that he talked about that a little bit in his newest book. I think that's where I read it. Um, yeah, I've I've got a section in this this new book that I'm working on that's just just Whitley Strieber because if you want to talk about like the the contact experience and death, he's like yeah. the guy. Yeah, and but it's 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 really frustrating because he's been so prolific that he his ideas are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's a good thing because I think it speaks to the fact that he isn't, you know, uh, 
he isn't making he hasn't making it up. You know, he's not saying the blue avians are out beyond our edge of our solar system here to rescue us. Um, but it is it is kind of frustrating to track because you have a lot of conflicting ideas. The thing that he dropped a an absolute bomb the other day on Jim Harold's uh, podcast, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around that is very pertinent to the subject of this book. Um, so you know, in uh, a new world, it's the new it's the name of the new book, right? New world, I think yes. so. Yes. He talks about like how he's getting messages from Anne through the implant, right? And he said something on Jim Harold's podcast the other day that. I immediately wrote down because it's like mind-bogglingly interesting and cool and pertinent um, that he said that two guys knocked on his door at 4 a.m. one day and sat him down and said, your alien implant wasn't designed by the visitors. It was designed by Constantine Rodiv. Oh. EVP guy, right? Mm-hmm. Dictated from the afterlife. Hmm. To, and the implication is to communicate with the dead, which is this like really interesting area of esoterica where you have like the, 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 dead building, the dead building technology to talk to us. It's just such a weird wild Thomas, idea. Thomas Edison dictated a ghost phone. Yep. Yeah. Two Dutch researchers tried to build, and I want to say the 70s or 80s. It was, I think it was the late 70s, early 80s, somewhere in there. And what really interests me about that sort of idea is that it's so much more along the lines of something that you'd find in, like, African ancestor worship, where, like, the ancestors are, like, doing their own thing, having their own civilization that's that's designing and building things. And, yeah, it's just wild. I had never heard him say that, though. That's and he just talked about it on Jim Carroll's podcast. I was like, what the heck is going on? So I'm going to follow up on that. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's really wild. Yeah, as soon as you said Constantine Radiv, I'm like, oh my God, I'm writing that down. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's such a... And, and I think that I think that people really are ignoring ignoring this connection to the dead, you know, at the peril of their... The, their the fae and the dead have always been seen and experienced together always like yep. the the uh the podcast where you talked about um uh king of morning queen of day mm-hmm. uh the the woman was talking about does the word does the name Gwen mean anything to you? Of course, I'm cooking dinner, mind you. Right, right. I listen to podcasts, so I have somebody talking to me while I'm cooking dinner. I'm stirring, right? I'm sauteing yeah. something. It's on fire. I'm flipping it up. And she says, does the name Gwen mean anything to you? And I'm, I like nearly set the kitchen on fire because I'm like, Gwen, I'm done. Gwen, yep. I'm done. The, the king of the underworld. What the, I, did, what the, I, get, I get a call <laughs> yes. after dinner. Nice, nice. Like you gotta listen to this podcast. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and it's it's just one of those things that I can bring literally any sort of paranormal encounter right back around to something to do with the dead. It's really, really weird. And I think that I think that, you know, I I I had published a a blog post sort of similar to this in thought, but like, I think that, that it kind of might also answer the, the UFO government secrecy question from a completely different angle too. You know, I mean, I think the idea that we are immortal 
poses a lot more of a threat to the gov- to any sort of government organization in terms of power structures than anything oh, yeah. extraterrestrial, you know, because, oh, yeah. because the, you know, the, the uh, final destination, so to speak of any government mandate is violence. And if, yes. if you are, you know, an immortal soul in a, in a, in a flesh body, then violence has a lot less, meaning it's not too scary is it <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Kind of like i'll just come back that's yeah, ex- exactly so successful was because you knew that this was this was just the mortal coil and you had an eternity in heaven mm-hmm. so they're all going a crusade let's go i'll get all my sins forgiven go straight to heaven skip purgatory awesome let's grab a sword and rock on like yeah yeah yeah, Truthfully, um, yeah. so you i I remember listening to William S. Burroughs uh, reciting Seven Souls, which is a great poem. And it it begins with the uh, ancient Egyptians postulated seven souls. Mm -hmm. And then he goes through all the souls and, and he talks about the journey in the underworld and what the soul goes through to go through the stages of death in the underworld and then rebirth and, and, and light the afterlife. Mm-hmm. But it was a remix that was done by a band called material. And somewhere in the middle, they, they mixed in some other stuff that, that Burroughs was talking about. And he talked about nuclear weapons mm-hmm. in this. Now I will admit to being chemically altered at the time that I was listening to this and I had just been talking to Zach earlier that day about, have you ever noticed how, when the UFO people talk to their people that they contact, they're always going on about nukes. Yep. Why the hell would extraterrestrials give a damn if we nuke ourselves out of existence? It doesn't really make a lot of sense now, does it? And he was like, no, I said, did you know that the Virgin Mary also talks about, you got to stop the wars? You can't be having these wars. This is bad, you know, and they always talk about the environment and, you know, and all these things, these things keep coming back up and it all revolves around stuff like the nukes. I, I listened to that and he said that he, he said it in a poetic fashion, but he basically said that nuclear weapons, nuclear bombs were soul killers because of the EMP destroys energy and it can disrupt electromagnetic energy and my brain went boom and i said zach what if burroughs is right and that is why the the ufo people and the marian apparitions and all of these creatures keep telling us to leave off with the nukes because we're not just destroying ourselves and our environment. We're destroying them because they are energy. Exactly. And he went, oh, yeah. And I was like, and besides that, what if they are us when we are not embodied? So what if we are talking to ourselves in two different states of matter? And he was just like, woman, stop that. <laughs> I was having fun until you said that. I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, and you look at the way that, you know, some uh, some fairy communities would sort of do the inverse of what people were experiencing. So a, a yes. death a death here would be a birth there. 
Yes. A death there would be a birth here, you know. Um, yes. It brings up an interesting question. To the, I mean, that's something that, you know, Jeffrey Kripal has sort of wondered, are we the dead people? Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, the other thing about this sort of all the apocalyptic imagery, too, is that it's sort of um, that environmental message is sort of uh, a backdoor introduction or backdoor reintroduction um, of animism. Yes, yes. In a way, too. And I, I thinking of them as like animistic missionaries from the other world. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting way to do it too. It's, it's, like, it's, 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 it's there, telling it's, people to leave off with the Bigfoot. You know? It's well, and it's also their version of fire and brimstone. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's just I think that the, and damn, if these aren't more interesting conversations than you know propulsion systems and shit like that. <laughs> I mean, I do kind of wonder how they fly, but. At the same time, I'm kind of like, what does it matter? They fly as quick as thought. Because yeah, they I mean, are thought, maybe. And I just, I, I'm, I'm annoyingly practical about this sometimes. Like I can, while we're having a wonderful, like esoteric, like thought for me discussion. I, it's not that I don't want an answer, and I also don't think I have the answer. I just kind of have, don't think we're gonna get one. So why not just be happy and sit with it? And sit with with the mysteries. I mean, you, you read you read a lot of indigenous testimony about these things, and they're always that. I mean, like they're exactly like what you said. Well, they travel at the speed of thought. You know, there's always this sort of like. And I I grew up hearing those stories, which may be part of it, because every like is Bigfoot spirit, is Bigfoot physical, is Bigfoot, and I'm like, he's both. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's that wonderful way of perceiving the world where. It, it is what it looks like, whereas it is, yeah. what it means, you know, if it's a duck, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And then mom goes, it's a shape-shifting duck. And I go, well, but, but currently it's, it's a duck. Damn it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a duck that likes to pretend it's a rabbit. <laughs> right? <laughs> the only duck rabbit. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like, I know that like, it's just it's just that ways of thinking are differently true, I think. Yeah. Which doesn't you know it doesn't mean that I'm going to go put peanut butter in my gas tank. Uh, That's but a bad it idea. But it, but it means that I think that when you're dealing with these things, it's a completely different way of of thinking that you have to to engage with. You know, it's like dream dream logic bleeds into the real world. Yeah. A yeah. real world into whatever this is. Yeah. Physical world. Yeah. That's we think is physical. It might not be. That's true too. Thank you. Thank you for your there moment. You go. That, that's <laughs> very helpful. Very good. Well done. And you gotta be careful because then you sort of like sliding into this solipsistic sort of yeah. outlook. But you know. Yeah. One I was I was actually planning on writing a blog post today on Keel's maxim that belief is the enemy. Um, and his, his way of thinking about belief wasn't that you aren't supposed to have beliefs, but when you look at the paranormal and you form a theory that it will, because of its trickster like nature will either conform to uphold your theory. So it will give you experiences that will prove your theory to you 
or it will do the opposite and guide you to a different theory, neither of which turns out are going to be of any predictive or truthful value. And it, essentially he's saying belief gives them a handle or gives it a handle to play with your brain. And the reason I was going to write about this is because I've been having things appear in my house, like physical inanimate objects appear in my house. It started with uh, an eight sided die looking shape of cast iron. It's old and rusted. It's yeah. Yeah. It, and it's about that size, you know, it fits right in your palm. You can look at it. It's little, it's about the size and shape of a D and D eight sided die. Where did it, where did it appear? It appeared in my bedroom on the floor. And I didn't hear it hit. I was just straightening the floor and I looked down and there's this regularly shaped object. In a, and I'm in like, a pretty conspicuous place though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I reached down and I picked it up and I was like, it's not a die. I thought that I thought one of us had left a dice out and a die out and the cat had been playing with it. And so I take it to my kid. I'm like, Hey, did you bring this home? Because he likes to bring home rocks and stuff. All the rocks. And he looked at me and he looked at it and he went, no, but it's cool. Where'd it come from? I'm like, well, that's what I was asking you. Right. Let me go ask your dad. So I was like, dude, did you pick this up when you were walking the dog and you know, bring it in the house? He's like, I don't. He's like, you know, I can't see crap from, you know, up here down there. He's He, he has crap vision. So he's like, you know, I can't see what's at my feet. I don't know. I, of course I didn't bring that. That's cool. What is it? It's, oh, it's iron. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. I was like, well, it appeared in our bedroom. Huh? You texted me even. And I texted Morgana. I'm like, Morgana, did you give me this at some point? And then I lost my mind and forgot it. No. It's cool, though. <laughs> it's very, very cool. So that unique. I mean, geez. Yeah, yeah, that appeared. And then the next time something appeared, it was a stone. And it's a little bit bigger. It's about the size of a quarter. And <laughs> it has a natural formation. It wasn't carved that I can tell. There's no marks to it mm -hmm. that looks like it was carved. It looks like the external stone age description or uh, depiction of a vulva because of our family apparently manifest private parts that's <laughs> yes that is clearly we're, we're a happened. family of tricksters this just happened but i mean you know, was, she yeah yeah Elena, and it was Elena, right Elena, before, yeah yeah it was right before the woman it was actually it was right after the woman i think in seattle or oregon i can't remember which got naked and Ready. And did the Sheila the gig thing, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, yeah. and that's what our whole family, you know, we're all like, look, oh, Sheila the gig, ah, yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah I, th I think that anybody who has any sort of background was like, yeah, that's 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 the totally and, and that archetype. What did the do? They just sort of stood there and went, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly, sir, you don't know what to do with that. Just go home, just go home, sir. And so that showed up and I have to go around and do the rounds. Okay. Did you bring this in the yeah. house? And that showed up in the hallway. And so that's the coochie rock. And now that lays on, on my altar. That's, that's what the kid called it. I thought it was pretty funny. So yeah, that's, that's good. It's a good one. 
So four days ago, a piece of rose quartz appeared right in front of my chair in the living room. Just a little shard of it that had a little piece of black uh, inclusion in it. It's either hematite or tourmaline, I think. But no, it takes no, like iron. And never see them never see them appear, never hear them. Just... Nope. Not yet. Um it, it might happen. Never warm never happen. warm to the touch. Nope. That's one of the things I checked. I yeah, think I, I don't notice them fast enough. Should I yeah. tell them about the the thing yeah. that happened the Rose Quartz Day? Yeah, tell them that because it's funny. Okay. The same day she finds this beautiful little shard of rose quartz, I'm looking in my kitchen and I see a Frito chip appear from nowhere and hit land on my floor. <laughs> do you like Fritos? I do. We eat them with chili. And no. also they're, they're corn. Right. Which is an offering. And, but I'm like, really? And Nick saw it too. And he's like, I'm like, did that seriously just like fall from nowhere? And he's like, no, it must have fallen like out from the crack between the oven and the counter somehow. I'm like, okay. It had to travel sideways this way and, and then fall. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I hate those little things because I feel like, I feel like to all of us that that stuff happens on like a daily basis. You I, know, I, I I had I'm I'm pretty I'm almost entirely convinced because I had a little I have a little it's not a, it's not an iPad it's a little Verizon tablet that I use on gigs and I've got a little protective case on it and I am convinced that one day out of the corner of my eye I had it on a on a pass through you know kitchen in the old house was a sink and there was a pass through yeah. had it sitting on the pass through and I am convinced that out of the corner of my eye I saw it falling from the ceiling. To the floor. Now, it definitely fell on the floor because it made a noise, but I'm convinced that I saw it from the ceiling to the to the floor. But, yeah. again, I can't say for exactly. certain because it's the peripheral. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that, you know, and that's the other thing is, is as you say, as, as time passes and your memory, your memory tries to rewrite this stuff. It tries to say, yeah. oh, it didn't really, yeah. it wasn't really like that. You know, and I think that with a lot of people, they succeed with that because I've had people that experience something. I was sitting right there with them. We saw the same thing at the same time and their memory gets overwritten Yeah. later. And they're like, Oh no, it didn't really happen. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a also a, I mentioned the half life with synchronicities, but there is a half life of belief. Yeah. You know, it, it just diminishes over time. and That's, I think, the purpose of ritual is to continue to mm. top up your belief. Yeah, to keep the, to keep the tank full. Yeah. 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 To go into, especially if you're practicing an, an old religion or even Catholicism, because Catholicism yeah. uses the drone, the imagery, the dim lighting, the heat, the repetitive motion which yeah. helps give you an altered state of consciousness that allows you to connect with either the part of your brain that is where all this is coming from or the externalness of whatever it is of the other, I guess. Well, well that's something that I didn't, in, didn't really put together until every now, every now and then I'll mention the Bigfoot book so that you can slap <laughs> Bigfoot book on this. But when I, when I was, when I was looking through Hanson, um, just this, the way that Protestantism has, De disenchanted was, the world. Yes. I was about to say that. Yeah. 
I have a whole rant about Protestantism and the Enlightenment. Well, you know, I mean, I so I didn't I didn't grow up Catholic, but I remember talking to a professor one time who was like, actually getting really emotional, you know, talking about how, you know, the, the change of, of of you know reading the Bible in the Vulgate was like a big deal, um, and it, and it sort of everything about the Mass kind of lost some it sort of lost some power or something it became intellectual which is something that Protestantism sort of started which is cool in a way because it's here you have the power to connect with God as an individual on your own you access the word of God now it's like this huge individualistic self-power thing right that part Martin Luther might have been right about yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think so. I think it's important. I think it's. I mean, I think it's your birthright. But I think that that uh, I don't know. I, having never, yeah, I can. You can all my experience at a Catholic mass. You can fit inside a thimble. So maybe I'm not the right person to be talking. But it it the Catholic mass is a lot more mystical. It's a lot more heart yeah. and a lot less head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, I absolutely. Suppose. Especially the sung ones. Yeah, well, and then Protestantism did Josh's cycle where Protestantism was very right and then we get baptism we get Baptists and we yep. get apostles and you get you know you get people speaking in tongues, you get gorgeous choral music. We get um African American gospel, which, which is comes beautiful. from the African tradition and you have all these syncopated rhythms and, and ecstatic song. And, and it brings it back. Yeah. And we also have the Puritans who were just awful and were so awful. All of Europe said, go away. <laughs> have some leaky boats. Yeah. yeah. You're far too strict and just, ugh. You're terrible. That, we don't that's like an people. aesthetic we don't like. And, and now there's this weird, this weird replacement of, of, uh, of, religion with politics and, 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 you know, I would argue there's a puritanical impulse. Mm -hmm. Some of that as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Being all worried about what people are doing in the bedroom. Yeah. Their own bodies. What people are doing with their own money on the left. I mean, there's, there's some, Oh, you're not supporting, you know, the organic movements and things. And it's like, just no, let people live. Well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really quite concerned about um, this idea of like bad ideas as contagion. Um, you know that oh, this person had somebody with bad ideas, bad ideas, whatever they might be, on their podcast. So we shouldn't support them, and you shouldn't be on their show. But then, like, what if they're on somebody else's show? Is that does that mean that, that person's endorsing that bad? You know, and like, how how far does this daisy chain go? Yeah. You know, I think it's a conversation to be had, but I think I think that it's, I think that it, it sort of creates like almost like a caste system of untouchables or something. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, the, the, the in, in in part of it, part of the reason that I'm, I'm I am uncomfortable with it is because we're kind it just be by merit of being interested in these things, we're kind of all like three degrees of separation from somebody with a really gross idea, like. <laughs> We know that quite well. But that's, but that's, but that's, that's, the, that's the trickster thing again, right? Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. It's it, drags everybody it, down to the same level. Yep. 
look at you, communitas. And, and yes, was- yeah, exactly. <laughs> you read that book. I did read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I did my homework. Yeah, Thanks. you did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that, you know, try, try as a lot of people might to want to purge some of these admittedly, inarguably bad and disgusting ideas. I don't think they're ever going to go away in this field. I think it's I think it's partially no. because it attracts marginalized folks, but I also think that like there's something about all this stuff that's going to remain forever kind of icky. I mean, honestly, from the outside as a kid, you know, the UFO circuit looked kind of icky. You know, I mean, like to talking oh, to people, like there's... I mean, like looking like what well, it's like they talking at the beginning of Mirage Men. They're talking about like they're they're filming the the uh, the. Uh, the Laughlin conference or, or the Reno conference. I can't remember something like that, but it was like the basement of a holiday inn. And they're all like, you know, yeah. they're all like, it's, yeah. there's just this artificial lighting and everybody looks sick and kind of weird. And it's just, it's, I think that's just yeah. part of what this is all about. Yeah. As, as someone who's been part of several marginalized communities and still is, it, it's just, you're always going to have people with weird ideas who are involved in places where weird ideas are celebrated. And you got the weird ideas that are beyond what we consider good weird ideas. And, and you have to say something about it. You have to say, Oh no, that's not acceptable, dude. You no, no, you can't be no, no, no. That's no. Or if it's factually incorrect, nah, dude, that's not how that works. That's, no, Mm -hmm. can't, no. But I don't know. We're always going to have the Alex Joneses and, you know, those horrible, horrible people. They're just going to be there. Well, I mean, mean, it's it's, it's almost, it's kind of like... it's kind of like saying, uh, let's get the, it's kind of like saying, let's get the mafia out of the restaurant business. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> By merit of what it is, <laughs> always going to attract, thing. always going to attract, you know, people or, or you know. I, I swear, you know, my life, like, my first restaurant <laughs> jobs was for a mafia owned restaurant. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah or, or or like or like or like let's let's get the let's get the hand jobs out of the massage business you know it's like let's keep cocaine out of the bartending business that's <laughs> yeah. not gonna happen or the restaurant yeah. business or the restaurant business and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to but it but you have to have realistic yeah. expectations about where you're yeah. gonna accomplish you know yeah it it's yeah if you if you already are dealing with a marginalized set of ideas and and set of thoughts, you are going to attract all sorts of things that just aren't well, and all, just aren't going to be. Well, and, you know, it's also so and so the, the so way hard. to deal with it is is to just say, no, dude, that's not. You can't know. No, it's It's also just funny, though, because like 
it's like, okay, that conspiracy theory is okay. And like, I know I have a tinfoil hat on, but your tinfoil hat's a little extra. A little too tight. Your tinfoil hat's on a little too tight. You know? Yeah. And yeah, maybe I'm just being a little bit too, maybe I'm being too forgiving or too nuanced, but like, I, I, no, I, I've seen enough stuff with disinformation, like even with the even with the Q stuff. Like, oh yeah, I like yeah. I kind of like following it because it's interesting to see the disinformation campaign going down. Yes, it is. Which oh is, yeah, which if anybody has any knowledge in, you know, I, I've had I've had family members be like, not not close family members, but I've had like family going to be like talking to me about Q, and I'm like. Uh, this is not even a good conspiracy theory. It's right. It doesn't even. I'm just doing what you do, and I'm like, no, I'm like, no, I, I do this for a living. This is not. This is. These aren't good. These are not certified it's fresh. Not, no, yeah. you need to <laughs> yeah. change your tinfoil hat. But um, but so so there's that angle. Like I kind of like find it interesting because it's it's good to know what's being put out there. And then the other side of it is that you know with it's uncomfortable to talk about, but. Some people who are saying unpopular things about current narratives, I value them being a voice to keep certain things from being exploited. I'm thinking specifically yeah. about some people, some people saying things like some, some people p- casting well, skepticism is the wrong thing to say. Some people being critical of the way that the pandemic is being handled those are voices that even if they get some things wrong, I still appreciate being there because I feel like they help to keep certain powers that be in check. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it keeps people. So I cannot, I cannot cannot agree with them. Yeah. I cannot agree with it and think that some of it's nasty or yucky or it's reductive or dumb or wrong, but I can value that voice being in the marketplace because it keeps people from taking it it's it's one more deterrent to, from keeping people from taking it from, from keeping authorities from taking advantage yeah. of the situation. Does I, that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I my my litmus test is does it pass the First Amendment? Yeah. Basically. I, I can think it's dumb or I can disagree with it. I can be like, hey yo, hey yo boo. Here's some facts that you dropped, I think. As long as it doesn't veer into or you just actual, yeah, you just missed it. You overlooked it. As long as it doesn't veer into speech that is not protected, mm-hmm. I have no issues. I mean, I might think you're a little wonky, but I'm a little wonky. So we we have a fire that needs to be put out, but let's not put a hole in a dam to get the water to put out the fire. Yes, you know yeah. what I mean? we can do uh, this with compassion. That's where I am right now. So, anyway, uh, Bigfoot, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I any, we're back to Bigfoot. Anytime I talk to you, I'm just going to use the word Bigfoot as a segue, yeah. Huh. Or you know, whenever you just want to stop a conversation, just throw out Bigfoot. It's... <laughs> oh, that, that reminds me. Speaking of stopping conversations, I don't know if any. It was so funny. So when I in in sorry 
April of 2019, I went up to, Tim and I were doing a conference together in Rhode Island. So I, I flew up to Pennsylvania to hang around with him and all of his places that he goes. And we drove up together and drove back together. Um, which Pennsylvania is not close to Rhode Island. Um, no, it is not. I, I could have told you that. <laughs> I thought it was a lot closer. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we no, up together. No. It was fun. Also, Pennsylvania but, um, is huge. Was, Pennsylvania is huge. It's a giant square of hugeness. Um, yes. So t- Tim just got done showing me Toad Road, and it was funny because we walked back to... Uh, to the car and there was another car that was parked there and there was a guy who was uh talking about who just had parked there and he was getting out and tim started talking to him they started talking about you know canoeing um along you know kayaking rather along the river which is right there and they're you know talking about uh different sorts of equipment to use and it was a nice amiable conversation and uh and tim made some sort of reference to the podcast or books or something and the guy says, oh, what, what sort of books do you write about? And Tim says, you know, weird stuff like Bigfoot. And the guy that we were talking to looks to his friend and goes, well, it's getting late. I guess it's time, <laughs> I guess it's time we went ahead and got in the car and went back. Nice talking to you. <laughs> it was the funniest, most blatant, like 180 turnaround you've ever seen. Just back away slowly or they're going to get us, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, really oh man, that is great. Um, so yeah, big bigfoot is a perfect way to end a conversation. <laughs> that is perfect. Oh, oh, that makes me so happy. We, we both we both got in the car. We were I like, would, oh man, it was just it was just too perfect. I I was worried that it was going to go somewhere else. There, I, it, it went better than what happened with my cousins in Tennessee one time. Um, we had a family oh, no. reunion. Oh, sorry, going off. Um, we had a family reunion in Tennessee, and uh, that's because the people who couldn't travel as easily lived in Tennessee. So we went there, and. Uh, one of my cousins had brought her boyfriend and they, they were very active people. They didn't like sitting around. So they decided to go out and do something fun. And they found a canoe livery um, that was suggested by the uh, local tourism board. And so they went to it and they rented a canoe and they, they went canoeing on this little river. Very nice, very pretty, very Appalachian. It was the Appalachian part of Tennessee and it was real, real nice. And they get out of the uh, canoe afterwards and they're handing it over to the nice man. And he said, oh, I like y'all, you know, I'm so glad you showed up. And he had a bunch of his friends with him and they were all kind of, you know, stereotypical looking um, Southern Appalachian people. And uh, they were like, well, we're we're having a meeting here in a minute. Um, you might want to, you know, come back for when it really gets going. We're having the private part, but we're going to have like a picnic. And my cousins were like, well, we've got a dinner that we're going to with our family. And they're like, well, you might want to. And they handed them a flyer. And, and my cousins didn't look at it until they were on their way back to the car. And they looked down and it was the KKK. And so... Scarily oh, enough, God. 
I know. Oh. Scarily enough, her boyfriend's Jewish. And so he just took this huge deep breath and she just grabbed onto him. She's like, nope, we're walking. We're walking to the car. We're walking to the car. He's like, they have our driver's license number. They have our license um, plate number because we gave them the ID number. And, and she was like, doesn't matter. We're from Ohio. We're going back tomorrow. It's time to go. So they tell us this at dinner. And I was just like, oh, my God. She was like, is- I didn't even think anything of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You grew up in, in suburban yeah, Columbus. Scary. Yeah. That's horrifying. So when you said that there was this guy in canoeing, I'm like, no, not again. <laughs> Sadly, they didn't Deliverance, meet the Bigfoot right? hunter. The Bigfoot hunters oh. would have been much more cool. That would have been yeah, so much. That would have so, been a funnier story. It's just always amazing to me when people are like open about that sort of thing. That was the part that got me too. I was like. like she was like, do I look like I would want to join the KKK? She's like, is there something wrong with me? And I'm like, no, maybe and that, no. That, and it reminds me of, um, are you familiar with that uh, British sketch show that Mitchell, it's called That Mitchell and Webb Look? No. It's hilarious. It's great. They, they have a bit about these two guys who are SS officers. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. And then they're, they're like, "Have you ever noticed there's a skull on our on our hats? Are you think we're the baddies? <laughs> are, are we the baddies?" <laughs> so I was thinking that, like, like who was like, "Yeah, join the you know, whoever yeah. that like that you're on the right side of anything." It's so, uh, it's so far beyond my comprehension. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are we the baddies? It it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, actually, you are, sir. I we're we're constantly I, I portrayed as being the bad guys. We're constantly I, I, portrayed I, I, as being I, the bad guys, and I've seen people do awful things. Like, but I think I think it really speaks to like how desperate people get for community. You know? Yeah, I oh. I think that's really the absolutely, reason. absolutely, and and uh, how apparently Bigfoot is the litmus test of whether you want to be in that community or not. In, in, for some people, you know, talking with this nice man and this other nice man about canoes, and that's all fine. But as soon as Bigfoot comes up, nope, you gotta go. Okay, no, well, these these guys seemed seemed fine. Uh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't get any like. Oh no! Any, my my point is, they were afraid of you because because Bigfoot. Oh yeah, we were the weird. Yeah, we were the weirdos. You were the weird people. You were, have that you were exact the... conversation. Isn't it funny what people will do for community? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I just I think uh, well, yeah that, that took all the air out of the room. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, it's oh. all my fault. I'm bad. She does that. I do. It's the fox instead of the coyote. We yeah, you're mean. You do mean tricks, not funny tricks. But but it's interesting. Like I I think that like I think that uh, that conversation would go a lot better with a lot more people than it used to be. Yes. I mean the number of I think I feel like um I've said this some other places too, but I think it bears repeating. Um, I think that. Uh, I feel like 
Bigfoot's having that sort of cultural moment that the gray alien had in like the nineties. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, so too. It used to go like everywhere. It was just the gray alien image and, you know, screw those wasn't, guys. I don't like them. Wasn't even, wasn't, wasn't the Napster logo a gray alien too? Kind of. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a cat. It was a cat skull, but it looked like a gray alien. And then there's a a, a gaming oh, computer company that has a gray alien face. Yeah, Alienware, yep. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, the number of times, I would say probably every other, every third time that I go out in for a drive to run an errand or something, I'll see some sort of Bigfoot memorabilia somewhere. Nice. You know, a shirt or, like, a bumper sticker. Um or something along those lines. There does seem to be a lot more people reporting sightings or hearing things or, you know, whatever. Uh, wood knocks, yeah. howling. Yeah, I think that, again, something that I don't think he included in any of the books, but something that Tim says that I think is really elegant is like uh, the Bigfoot form might be the most sophisticated version of whatever this phenomena is. So in other words, like the lower, the lower order, like it's all that it's, it is the same thing that the wood knocks are coming from the same thing that these, this Bigfoot image comes from, but like those are the more common ways it manifests, whatever this mm -hmm. thing. And I really think that's a beautiful idea. Um, yeah. I think maybe, I think maybe you could extrapolate to that. Like the lights might be the like, uh, most stripped down, bare bones, primer gray version of, <laughs> of whatever it is. That's kind of the way I look at them. That that's kind of their sort of native. They don't take a form. Form. It's just right out there, being energy floating around, and then it it coalesces into a shape for some people. Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. I like that idea um, because it's like. That is one of those things that and the, I mean, arguably that sort of brimstone sulfur smell, but like uh, that light phenomena is just around everything. Like there's not a it single is. aspect of, not a single aspect of anything that I can think about entity wise that doesn't include some sort of strange light phenomena. I mean, they're even, absolutely, you know, even common to see, uh, you know, lights around water horses, which yep, brings, yep. In, brings in a messy thing too. So, yeah, I, that's why I'm working on maybe writing a book about the little lights in the woods or in the sky, but you know, amorphous awesome. lights. That would be awesome. So that's where I'm in my uh, research. I'm researching what people have written, like Paul Devereaux. Um, what's his do name? You, Mark do, you have, do you have all of Paul Devereaux's books? I have a, I have I have a four of them. I have a duplicate copy of one of them. So if you don't have that one, I'll have to send okay. it to you. I don't have All anything right. to do with it. So. Okay, um, cool. But uh, yeah, he's somebody who doesn't get enough attention either. Oh, I I loved his books. I mean, I remember when they came out and I had them and, and then they, they uh, <clears throat> got kept by someone's father because he's a jerk. And I forgot to list that in my list of books that I wanted back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't but think yeah, I could remember all my books, and I remembered 837 of them or something, and damn it. <laughs> but I forgot them all. <laughs> damn. Yeah, we, got, we, got, we got to build some shelves here. We 
the uh, the the bookcase situation is untenable. I, I oh yeah, I loaded up on like fourteen books for this next project. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, a whole other shelf worth of worth of books. So. Um, we understand this. Yeah, struggle. Struggle, <laughs> real, right? struggle is real and constant. Yep, yeah. yep. And and I'll buy books and go. Yeah, I'm gonna read that. And that's why I like my Kindle. It, it's it's keeping the number it's guilt of paper free. It's guilt free book buying. I could I could not be a prouder father because if that if, even if the TV's on, if there are books around, my boys are just looking, looking through the books. Yay! Yeah. yeah, you did good. Yeah, I don't know if I I, I mean like we, we read to them, but I don't think it's a I think it might be just a well, I'm kind of firmly on the nature side of nature versus nurture anyway, but I think this is a good example of it because like it's just they just, just came out that way. Yeah. Probably because Koi doesn't read as much as I do, and uh, Zach doesn't read as much as you do, and Zach doesn't even read as much as my dad did. My brother and I are half siblings; we have different dads. Oh, okay. Well, I mean. It's, yeah. it's, the same thing with twins. I mean, like the, the boys are identicals, but they I thought, you know, I was gonna be doing psi experiments in the <laughs> in, in their room and stuff, but uh and I might at some at some point, but uh but like th their personalities are pretty distinct. It's crazy. Um, does that extend to facial expressions? Like typical oh yeah. facial expressions? that's what I thought. One one of them just keeps the makes he does the furrowed brow a lot. It looks like me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like one's more athletic already and one's more, you know, intellectual. And it's, mm. Or talky, talky, I guess. Not really intellectual, but talky. But yeah, hopefully someday I can do, you know, experiments where, um, you know, hold up some Zinner cards and the other one tells me what it is from another room or something. That's, That'll be cool. That would be cool. I, I, that find, that, be I find that, I find that, I find that two bodies, one soul stuff fascinating. Um. Well, it ties into like the concept of like you extrapolate from that and you get into whole that whole family lineage thing. Like certain families have something in the blood and like have certain familial talents that are passed what is, down. What does genetics actually mean? Yeah. That yeah. Cause I mean, I didn't realize this until we had them, but uh, if they married another set of if they procreated with another set of identical twins their children would be cousins and siblings biologically genetically oh my god isn't that weird that is weird so weird <laughs> i'm um, sitting here going the the crowned heads of europe this explains so yeah, yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> but, but, but yeah, but that 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 soul stuff, like that's that's one of those reductive atheistic arguments I always hate about like reincarnation. It's like, well, how come there are more people on Earth than there ever have been? Where did all these extra souls come from? It's just oh, so they were dogs. Well, well <laughs> dogs. <laughs> that's that's true. It doesn't. It's 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 a very Western thing, right? Because it doesn't take yeah. it doesn't take Eastern reincarnation into account. But also, right. like, I mean, how many waves can be on the surface of a lake? Like. You know, yeah. none anywhere from none to infinite waves. You know, it's just yeah. Well, back in the day, my answer is it, all of the other souls that are unembodied humans running around pretending to be Bigfoot and angels and whatever. They some of some more of them have embodied as as we have. I don't know. 
I think I'm going to blame it on the Minbari. On the what? Okay. Have you ever seen Babylon 5? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Minbari. No, but yeah, yeah. Um, Embodying as humans. That's that's one of those topics that I think might as well be settled. If it was any if it was any other topic, it would be settled science. But it's it's reincarnation, so no, it's not settled science. But some of that stuff that's out there is just so so good and thorough. That Ian Stevenson stuff, yeah, really compelling. Um, there is another author that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to like find you on somewhere on the internet and give it to you because there's an an Indian author who studies it um, in India. You you know what's interesting about that is that um, I heard somewhere that cultures that believe in magic have more magical things happen in the culture. So I kind of wonder if cultures that believe in reincarnation see more evidence of reincarnation. Yeah. I probably, um, yeah, I'm going to look, look him up. Yeah. Add it to the other 25 books. Yeah, they, we're throwing at each other. <laughs> Coming back around to that conversation about shelves. I'm going to need all the shelves in the world. <laughs> we're going to just build a bunch of shelves. So I do. Yeah, she understands. I currently have an entire steamer trunk full of books that still need to go on shelves, um, plus a large basket, plus several stacks on my desk, plus some stacked on the steamer trunk. (laughs) Some of those are mine. You got to give those back. I know. And I keep them forever. And I have to give you Josh's books back because I've finished them all finally. So now you need to write another one for me to read, please. I have to tell you guys about um, Bigfoot. When I was reading volume one, my boyfriend's like, what you reading? And I'm like, Bigfoot. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, so Bigfoot has all this other highest strangers. And he's like, whoa, 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 no. You are not about to ruin Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You were about to make Bigfoot somehow related to aliens from other dimensions or whatever it is you talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like um, somebody being like, "Oh yeah, I'd like some, I'd like some hot sauce," and you hand them like the ghost pepper hot sauce. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking some Frank, some Frank Red Hot. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> whatever this killer yeah, stuff yeah, exactly. is. Exactly, like like the, the buy-in for Bigfoot, you can like, and I think that's part of the reason that people who are really into the flesh and blood idea are so like, are so anti, are so anti high strangeness is because like, it's hard enough to get people to accept the fact that people see large hairy ape men things. Yeah. But then when you say, well, yeah, and there's a lot of strange stuff on top of that, you know, if, if you're in the right headspace, it actually makes it more believable for somebody like me um but for for like the rank and file public like paranormal bigfoot is not no i I would say that like spiritual slash consciousness based ufos are much are even more 
established than paranormal Bigfoot is. Oh yeah, it's very true. I, I, um, I have to admit, I was biased against paranormal Bigfoot for years because yeah, it just sounded, good. you know, the habituators who were, you know, giving gifts to them and, and you know, getting rocks. Maybe that's where my coochie rock came from. Bigfoot dropped it through the ceiling. I don't know. He was hanging out on the roof. I don't know. It could I like be. It. I like it. <laughs> Just, I don't like, know what the message is from that, and I don't know that I want to know. Considering the what, who was it who found the DNA that was half female human on on the mother's side, and then unknown on the father's side? And um, I'm sitting here going, did anybody ever sit there and think about the implications of this, or did we just write a paper about it and I don't know, run away screaming into the night? Melt to catch him. It was no her. Question. Yeah, it was it her. Was and on the I, one hand, like the way that she handled it was not. No, I know. Appropriate, but on the other hand, I look at that and I think of the strong, strong global international uh, story, long-standing tradition. Well, tradition of like spirit wives. Mm -hmm, yes. Of, you know, spirit, shamanic spirit lovers and all these things. Yep. You know, relations ghosts. It fits in that continuity. Um, but you're not yeah. gonna win. But you're not gonna win over, you know, Smithsonian Magazine with that. You know? No, you're not. Uh, nope. Forty I mean, times, yes. Smithsonian Magazine, no. Right. Yeah, and she she doesn't strike me as wanting the Fortean times. It's not the same. No, you know that they they don't, and that's sort of that um that uh. The comparison that I ended up drawing with the Hanson stuff is that uh, it's like the flesh and blood cryptozoologists are like the Protestant Church, right? They're the yeah. they're the disenchanters. Um, you know, they'll complain about the fact that science doesn't believe in their Bigfoot, but they still want to play by their game. And you know, I, it's it's taking longer than any of us would hope, but this this information on this the, the the data falsifying materialism is not going away anytime soon. No, uh, it's no. just gonna, it's just going to continue to accrue. So go ahead and be on the I don't want to say the right side of history because it's politically loaded <laughs> about <laughs> much, about much more important things than Bigfoot. But like, <laughs> but like, but like, be on the right side of this scientific argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I still say you can't just dismiss evidence if you're are saying that you are following the scientific method. It, it, it's related to what you say. Well, you know, witnesses are smart until they say something you don't like. And then suddenly they're the dumbest people on earth. So right. if they say they saw a big hairy ape in the woods, Hey, rock on. Obviously you're an intelligent person. I, I believe you, but because then I'm comfortable with it. because I'm comfortable. Ex with yeah. Exactly. But as soon as they say something like, and then the the fireball came whizzing low over the trees and exploded into this this shower of light, and he walked right into it and disappeared. And then they're going, "Well, clearly you drink too much." We're gonna drop that in the dustbin. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, and, and that just kills yeah. me. Well, and, and forgive me if I keep on repeating myself, but like, I had somebody on a podcast say that a disappearing Bigfoot just might mean that the Bigfoot stepped behind a tree or oh, dropped to the ground or fell into a ditch. And this is oh. a account where like 
the Bigfoot blinked out in front of somebody's face. And, and I'm like, okay, so let's say you accept that logic. You can keep on walking that logic back to the fact that they saw a bear. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, if you're going to yeah. question unambiguous witness testimony, that's sort of like your, that's sort of your final destination is back to being reductionist. Um, so yeah, yeah and, 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 and here's the thing is that I try to, I try to write about stuff that challenges me that I'm uncomfortable with. So that's, that's, that's one of my two different writing styles. The first writing style is to say, let's find something that somebody's mentioned here and there, but nobody's ever like dedicated a whole book to that's approach number one. But approach number two is um, saying, you know, I, I don't like this. I don't like this aspect of the supernatural. It doesn't make sense to me. It, I can't reconcile it. Let's dig down deep into it and figure it out. I'm like with the, with, you know, so with this, the paranormal Bigfoot, like I was, I had a, I had a resistance to that. Yeah. Um, with, with thieves in the night, you know, the hybrid angle, like that didn't fit my fairy, my, you know, expanded fairy mythos really at all. I had to reconcile that implants or something that I've talked about. In some of my yeah. books, like, how do I reconcile this with, with what I think of the phenomena? And that's where I am right now is that like, you know, with, with, with what, what I'm working on right now is like talking about channeled UFO material and, and, oh, UFO, and UFO religions. And like, this oh, is stuff that I channeling. don't want to talk about. I know channeling. Uh -oh. I don't want to talk about it. It doesn't, yeah. it, it's not something I want to talk about. So that means that I should like write a book on it. Cause I just, it's that so, so, that's, so like the fact that, you know, the fact that, uh, I've kind of come around. I think that speaks a lot to the fact that I've kind of come around to the paranormal Bigfoot outlook um, because I didn't, I didn't want it to be that way. And, you know, as I've said before, in many places, like if they caught a Bigfoot tomorrow, I would be ecstatic. Um, I bet it would disappear. Yeah. I was about to say, I'd be interested to see how long they kept it. Disappearing. Yeah. Disappearing evidence. Um, yeah. I, uh, Aaron Wolf will show up and let him out. Jailbreak. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing I had. I remember having this conversation a long time ago with some of the Where the Road Go guys of like, you know, if if they do discover, because remember that when the when the sun kept on blinking out in the other galaxy, and they thought maybe there was a Dyson sphere because right. the, sun, the star yeah. was moving. yeah. And I said, if they do prove that this is like extraterrestrial, um. An extraterrestrial civilization. Where does that leave all the UFO researchers who are interested in the high strangeness? Like, because you know, as soon as that happens, everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, well, that must be where the ETs are coming from." And that's the flying saucer. Not necessarily. But, you know, it can be both. But yeah. I, th I think the, I think the public would say that. Oh like, yeah, totally. And and in in the meantime, there are these people who are like finding these bigger, deeper questions about you know the abduction experience and death, for example. That like it doesn't make that stuff go away. And uh, even if they captured a Bigfoot tomorrow, I think that there's enough cases of really strange Bigfoot stuff that it doesn't make those go away either. You know, I mean, no. like you can pick any one any one story in the book, and it can be proven completely hoax tomorrow. That doesn't take away the fact that there are 20 other stories that we didn't choose that are describing yeah. the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Know? It's a representative sample. It is not the only examples right right and, um, and i am continually blown away 
by listening to people on podcasts describe their experiences. Clearly something happened with these mm. people. So they saw something and they experienced it as real, whatever it was. And I don't understand how other people can listen to this and not feel the same way to just dismiss it as, Oh, they're just making it up. They want to be famous, whatever. I'm like, no, nobody wants to be famous for seeing a hairy ape in the woods that scared him and made him pee himself by the side of the road for God's sake. Or we have a surplus of really great unemployed actors. I mean, like that's, <laughs> I think that, I think that they're crisis actors. That's what they are. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. That phrase. I um, do too. It drives me mad. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's like it's like it's like if you call everything a false flag, and everybody who ignores it a sheep, you're kind of like being a sheep for a different narrative yep. <laughs> because you're always going back down yep. that trodden path. And they really don't like it when you point that out. It yeah. it really upsets them greatly. Um, but uh, you know, I think that we really do overestimate hoaxes, the number of hoaxes that there are. Yes, I think so too. I think that misidentification plays a lot bigger role in, in the things that aren't genuinely anomalous, but I, you know, but I think that like the idea that hoax, the number of, of, of cases that sound strange that are mundane is largely attributed to people who are earnestly mistaking things. Yeah. I think it's yeah. mostly attributable to hoaxes. Um, I mean, of course, hoaxes are part of the phenomena because Hanson, Trickster, you know, got it. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, it's it's like the fairy dresses that I mentioned right, online, right. which I had forgotten about until you said, oh, well, there are all these fairy chalices. Yeah, that's and fairy that's fascinating. I, so I'll tell this story quickly. I have a, a much older cousin than me who was visiting my grandmother over the summer for a week or something. And... Uh, I was about nine years old because I lived across the street from my grandmother. So I didn't live across the street from her until I was nine. So that's how I can place when it happened. But she decided because we had this really awesome book that was printed in 1952 called the golden book of elves and fairies um, that we had all, all of the cousins, all of us had, it had had it read to us and we had read it over and over and over to the point where I can still uh, quote the poems and and recite them from memory. Um, she decided she was going to give me proof that fairies existed. And so she made these little tiny dresses out of scraps of silk and lace that my grandmother had used to make uh, dresses for, uh, she was a seamstress for wealthy ladies. And uh, now I will admit at the age of nine, when I started finding these in the garden that I did recognize some of the fabrics because Graham let me play in her scrap basket all the time. And I helped her cut stuff out, you know, with patterns. So I did recognize some of it. And I was kind of like, I don't think it's that real, but at the same time I wanted to believe. So I played along with my cousin and I was, I believed that these were fairy dresses and I kept them for years, even though like a year later I realized, you know, this had to have been my cousin because the stitches aren't big enough. Or, or too little, or not little enough mm -hmm. to have been made by little tiny hands. So this was obviously made by a human, but I didn't care because they were cool and they were really detailed and they were tiny. They were like a couple inches tall. So they would have fit 
you know, somebody that was like three or three inches tall or something. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And she would make little footprints in the dirt with like a, a uh, paintbrush and to make it look like they had walked through the dirt and left the dress there. So yeah, she, she, she was, she, she paid attention to detail. And, uh, so I kept them for years and years and years and I would, you know, take them out and look at them and be like, Oh, that was so sweet. Cause you know, my cousin, we didn't always get along. And so that was really nice. And, um, I had them until I went to college and then I came back home for my first summer and I looked in the drawer where I had kept them and they weren't there. And my first thought, of course, is my mom had gotten rid of them, but there were letters in the same drawer that she would have gone through and read and it would have gotten me into trouble. She was not the kind of person who believed in privacy. And so she would have found out all sorts of things, you know, that it, it would have caused some issues. And, but they were, they were intact. They were still wrapped in the ribbon and tied. It's very 19th century. Um, very Jane Austen and, <laughs> you know, but it was also very, I'm paranoid and I'll know if this knot, this specific knot is untied right. that right. got into it. It was all intact. Those dresses disappeared and they have never been seen or heard from again. And so even hoaxed things about paranormal things disappear. Just like Bob Hieronymus's you know, suit that he swore up and down he wore yeah. in the Gimlin. It's like it's like somebody I can't remember who who said this. It might have been Greg was uh, saying it's it's like priming the pump. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it really yeah. is. Um, Bob Hieronymus and the uh, uh, was a guy who had some of the best uh, some of the best Bigfoot footage. Um, I can't remember. Geez, I can't remember his name, but. Uh, you know, had some footprints that were kind of dubious that ended yeah. up having great, you know, great, uh, great uh, footage and, and evidence around them. And also, you know, uh, I mean, I just always think of like the Philip experiment, you know, it's the best. Experiment. Oh yeah. I love the Philip experiment. That's people like say, one of my favorite I always stories. feel kind of weird when people say tulpas because have we talked about this? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just, it's just, I feel like that, the body of knowledge around tulpas is so um, esoteric and guarded and just not present. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I, I remember talking with somebody who I can't remember. I wish I could remember who it was. It might've been Chris O'Brien or something. Someone who had talked to somebody who had finally gotten an audience with a, a very high ranking uh, llama and said, you know, was interested in the Tulpa thing. I was like, this is my chance. Goes, hey, you know, hi, I just, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, it was quiet and everybody was right. Everybody was gone. He goes, can you tell me about Tulpas? And it's translated. And the guy goes, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So I don't know if that means that that's guarded, guarded esoteric knowledge or what, but. Or Alexandra David Neal was making some stuff up. Yeah. Um, change the word or it just i just don't feel like there's the, the there's the body of like of reason of 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 uh ethnography there that we should have you know yeah i um, agree um that and it's kind of 
there's a little oriental mysticism thing going on there too that's kind of weird a little bit icky, yeah a little um, so like I, i'm always more apt to point to something like the philip experiment because that's like super that's super the parameters are right there and it's was well documented and i think it's just really interesting it also ties into the idea of like the placebo effect and the nocebo effect and yeah and, and yeah. mind over matter so again to me that makes it some people say the placebo effect and the nocebo effect essentially tells you that there's nothing too magic and i'm like no it tells me the exact opposite really. yeah exactly. I, don't, I, don't I don't know where you're getting that sir i i you know mm. I think that's fascinating, and I think that it shows oh, yeah. that human consciousness has abilities that we don't, I, I suspect in this life, we're not supposed to know exactly what all we're capable of. But that might be part of our, our uh, basic programming when we get thrown into these flesh bodies that you're not supposed to know all the things that you can do. You got to find them piecemeal every now and then a little bit here and there. Yeah, you know. you're only you're only allowed to kind of feel like you used to know it, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that thing about, I was talking about, like you know the uh, the uh, the the flying thing. You know? Yeah. Um, I have I have people that I I recurringly see in dreams that I have these deep deep connections to that I almost want to wake up and weep. Mm-hmm. And they're not real people. Yeah. yeah well, really. they are. The, oh, yeah, but, know. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. like I'm remembering like a dead uncle or something. Like it's like no. somebody that I've never met that I have this intense connection to, and it's just yeah, it's, it's really really perplexing. Do um, we live another life when we sleep? Well, it's like those stories that you hear about people who you know smoke salvia and spend 15 years as a suitcase under a stairwell, you know, <laughs> under yeah. a staircase. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or, or you know, these people who there are a couple of cases that are documented. I can't remember where they are, and I can't remember if it was. NDEs or they were just trips, but people who have like 15 years in another life, you know, yeah, yeah. they have a whole family and then they come out of them. They're like, I miss my, I miss that old family. Like, Oh yeah. Now I remember I was doing this, but man, I miss you know, my old family that I spent. Oh yeah. You went on or people went under the hill and took a fairy wife. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, you know, are we the same and are we the same person in, under the hill and in our waking life or in our sleeping life or, you know, are we different? How many of us, well, you, you know, how, how many, many of us live inside our well, heads? How, how many, you know, how many souls do the, do the Egyptians say we have, you know, <laughs> seven, eight, yeah, seven, eight. So it's, 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 it's interesting. I think things are a lot more complex than, than, even we who are into these things give it credit for, you know, I think that's self-protective. I think if we, I think our brains don't let us see how complex things are just like how our brains in general, don't let us hear and see and smell every single thing that we're hearing and seeing and smelling all the time. Cause we'd go right. crazy. Right. Like we would go mad. We would HP Lovecraft. You have seen too much. <laughs> Wait, yeah, sometimes so I wake bad. up. Sometimes I wake up and think that, like, if I actually like documented all the things that I have to do in minute detail, I would be just absolutely paralyzed by the yeah. fear of like, yeah. you know, uh, 
Yeah. Um, and it's and it's wild, you know, to have to have kids and think about like them having to onboard all this data. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't envy you guys. I don't envy you, but but there are things that I think that we just we just so take for granted, like that pertain to that sort of concept of, of, of just stimulus and data and just knowing things. Like I love the way that we just shrug off like instinct as a thing yeah. you know, among, among animals, you know? Um, yeah. The idea that like they've done studies of, of, uh, of, you know, chicks being raised indoors and they'll, they'll have a, sh- a shadow of a hawk fly over them indoors and they'll still freak out and, you know, run away. Like what the hell is that? You know? Yeah, and Something. why is it, why is it a thing we just go? Oh, it's instinct. You know, it's like really that's <laughs> explain instinct then. Yeah, yeah. Why is it inborn? Why why is that programming in there? Why do we have? Why do they have original programming? Well, like because that? the 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 ones that fled from the shadows were the ones that were successful in bread. It's just, but it never really gets down to that core like answer how of why. Behave, of, of how the is yeah, how is behavior yeah. genetic? Yeah, which is why it's interesting to see stuff like epigenetics sort of taking the. Oh taking, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, and I do believe that there's something to that. Um, yeah, I think so too. I I think that um, PTSD can be epigenetic when you have a population. Or even just a, a family that has some traumatic thing happen. I think some of that can be passed down. And that, you know, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet is it would be a curse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, should we wrap up the... Yeah, I'm with you and I'm watching... Poor Josh getting sleepy. We're just going to free associate all that. If we, we are. Right? We don't stop. But see, again, as with last time, I'm, I'm like, there's so much we didn't talk about. We I, know. I know. I know. I know. I don't know what it is, but this this vibe, I just really dig this vibe. I, I can... I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. It's very sitting around a fire, like, just talking about stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to. Uh, it's kind of nice to not have a plan, but you know, it's just something about this. I've done this sort of thing before, and it's always a lot more awkward than this. So I really enjoy this. Well, excellent. You're we welcome for having you because it's so much fun for me too. And you have to come back so Kendra can can. Yeah, because you missed you missed, yeah, I know. you missed the second coyote. I feel real bad. Well, now you have to come back. Yeah, and maybe we'll actually get to some questions. <laughs> yeah, we didn't ask a single one, did we? You asked us questions. I know, I know. Well, that's I did our job for us. Yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? Tricksters? And yeah. Old reversal and Bigfoot. We talked about and Bigfoot a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. And books, lots and of books. books. Lots of books. But All right. I, I, just, I really appreciate it. So Thank much, you. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us 
at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.